0: Hi guys, uh, the episode that you're just about to listen to is generously sponsored by our affiliates, Board Game Crate. Board Game Crate uh, provide a monthly subscription service where they get fresh new games delivered straight to your door. Just head over to www.boardgamecrate.co.uk and furthermore, if you use our discount code unluckyfrogisawesome, all lowercase, all one word, you'll get a cheeky little discount. It's easy to remember because it's true. Mm. <laughs> cool. Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I'm your host Ben Porter and I am joined this Independence Day by John Bryant of Earth to Games, co designer of Masters of Getown. How are we doing, John? I'm very good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm. I'm not too bad. Um, straight back into work after a long weekend. So um, hanging, as they say in Scotland, or, or hanging for for those of us uh, not familiar with the nomenclature. But um, the the weekend's in sight. So That's good. We we really yeah. appreciate your work stories when we listen to this podcast. Uh, do, do I always sound a bit fed up? I, I I'm getting that impression from the way people, you know, re- relate their feedback on these stories.
1: Well, it's like I don't know. You're the the grumpy
0: uncle that everyone like agrees with, but like you know <laughs> you know <laughs> but you have to be in a certain mood to listen to what that grumpy uncle says but every now and then a, a little pearl of wisdom that is related to you will will stand you in good stead that kind of thing. yeah
1: yeah stay stay you good for the future
0: okay i, th- I think i can live with that <laughs> you, you you you've been busy yourself you've been um you've been putting small people to bed and all that haven't you in preparation for this
1: yeah yeah, yeah. putting the kids to bed uh finishing the last uh I've got two paragraphs left and the Kickstarter page is finished.
0: So, yes, on the ball. There's there's quite a bit of lead time on those Kickstarter pages, isn't there? You need to submit them quite a bit ahead of time.
1: Well, it's more a case, especially for like first-time designers like us, that you think, I've just got to write about the game. That can't be hard. And then the amount of hours it takes to get everything right and put all the things in that you, you know you're going to forget. So,
0: yeah, it is a is quite a mountain to climb. Yeah, it's the, there was someone was telling me um I'm I'm not sure like how how much this is used as a rule but you you have to make sure that you've mentioned back this game x amount of times throughout the page as well like that that's apparently good practice to do. Okay. Seems a bit pushy but um you know the, seems seems to to work for the people that insist upon that, but
1: well, yeah. See, like being a, being a sign writer, like I only ever deal with signs that say facts. So, like, no parking, which means there is no parking. So, like, for <laughs> <laughs> that situation, I, like I could say back this game, but I said I would I would probably end up writing it really politely, like, please, dear dear viewer, this game is worth backing. Like, yeah,
0: stop. Please back the game. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and I suppose being a sign writer, you're not really allowed to use alternative facts on signs either. That's, that's reserved for um, political office, apparently.
1: Yes, yes. Although I was, like, funny you mentioned political office. I was asked by someone if I could make a big sign for them so that they could hang it right next to the political office next door so that their sign couldn't be seen. That was uh, that was quite the the strange job I I turned down.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that could uh, potentially have uh, landed you in court. <laughs> I would imagine. Well, yeah, I I just made the sign like it's it's on their building. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Onus is on them. Yeah, exactly. So so we we mentioned earlier that um, that you're currently. Um, Working on a game called Masters of Getown, which is obviously why um, you you were talking about um, you know writing the copy for the Kickstarter page. So um, for for those of us listening who who maybe have not heard of the game yet, um, tell us a little bit about Masters of Ghetto.
1: Well, it's been a labor of love for uh, me and Dan, my co-designer, for the past three years. Um, he initially showed me uh, a video he had made of throwing some dice into just a cardboard box at the time. And it was the fact that the aim was to hit the other dice that I'd, I'd never seen that. And it kind of really encapsulated me. So from that point on, we've we've prototyped an arena. We've built up uh, a roster of characters with the like variable player powers. And um, it's basically the ultimate sci-fi hunger games style arena death match, but all like morally acceptable because everyone who enters gets a clone so even if you die you come back to life so that that's why Good. everyone's accepted it and um you as the the player you take on one of these characters and uh you pick a set of equipment and um you're trying to build build different engines build different kind of um combinations of abilities so that you can exploit the charge gain system, which is in the game. And uh, mm-hmm. this is something you use to power your characters and charge your weapons and shoot at each other. But the main the main thing that we're bringing to the market with this game is, um, is the first full-contact dice battling game. So through the prototyping, I took the cardboard box that I saw, that Dan showed me, mm-hmm. and developed it through foam board into like fully hardened acrylic and uh-huh. I've finally like overcome physics to the point where if you throw a dice <laughs> into the arena it doesn't flip all the other dice randomly by accident like uh-huh. I just saw um just on a side note I just saw a trailer for a game where they've actually utilized that as the mechanic
0: so you cover the bottom what, of the f- bo- what flipping all the dice
1: what no. Not that, um but the the physics of hitting a cardboard box and making it ripple. Ah, oh, okay. You put loads of tiles along the bottom of the box and then you you throw a dice at it and it's like you're uh blasting away rocks. So when you hit the box, all the tiles around the dice will flip over and then you've got to like scrabble and try and get gold. Uh-huh. So that's like That's neat. That's based on our old technology, so we're we're sci-fi years ahead of that <laughs> um but yeah so in our game you've got this hard and acrylic arena hexagonal shape and you're throwing your dice in trying to get uh the highest attack score versus your opponent's defense each round and um mm-hmm. this is the first game where if they've got a six on their dice you have any sort of angle you want to throw your dice at it any power level you want, as hard as you want, and you can actually smash their high-scoring score in dice. There's been so many times when I've been playing other games and people have rolled high, and then I'm like, oh, I can't do anything about it. And it's been so yeah. good to develop a game where you can do something about it. Like, Yeah. It like I love playing it as much as developing it. It's really exciting.
0: <laughs> so uh, you you mentioned just there about developing it, and you mentioned earlier um, Dan's prototype. So uh, how how go, going right back to the beginning how 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 did it start out uh, Masters of Ghetto, and what was the, the the starting point for the development of the game? Uh,
1: I was I was literally just playing Hearthstone online, and. I had probably the best game of Hearthstone I think I've ever had. So I put, clicked add friend, and the opponent did the same, and it turned out to be Dan. Like I was like, great game, man. We started chatting, and and then he was telling me about um he had converted the D&D rules into a sci-fi roleplay set in the city of Get Town that was all about shooting guns and rolling percentage dice for cover. And, mm-hmm. I, and I was like, Well, that's exciting and um then he said like i've been um he was uh, he was throwing some dice around coming up with a an idea for a game and like the the art director and illustrator inside of me like just my heart skipped a beat and i was like oh okay like please let me see <laughs> so, so he showed it to me and i and that was the like i said earlier like the i saw the dice and like just hearing the dice hit each other like it's such a satisfying sound And it resonates so much more with acrylic with an acrylic arena, Um, but yeah. So I'd seen this, and um, so there is loads of Hungarians because Dan's Hungarian, okay, and uh, they were all around this cardboard box, like muttering away in a foreign language and like throwing dice. It looked like some kind of like backstreet gambling game. Um, (laughs) So it honestly did. I I was sold. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So yeah. So then, like he said, like. Would, would you want to help me with it? And my eyes lit up, and I was like, yes, please. Um, and then I just, like, instantly went to work. Like, being in the sign trade, I had access to all the, like, foam core materials. And I just got the scalpel out, got the cutting board out, started making things. Like, because um, our original idea was just to make a hexagonal box. And you, um, you take the lid off, put it underneath, and just play in that. Which is, um, have you seen... It rattle battle roll the dice. I have not, no. It's it's basically that's that's what that is. It's like it's a pirate game where you like you just drop the dice into the box, and then wherever they are, the distance between them is like how far you can shoot and stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um and I'd seen that and I thought, okay, so that worked. And then I tried it, and like anything more than a gentle drop shot, and all the dice are flipping. So it was just cardboard's out. Um I tried foam board, but it wasn't dense enough, so that again the arena was bouncing sometimes yeah and and with that, like the second you threw a dice and hit the surface, foam board dents really badly,,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I didn't want the first throw of the game to damage the game, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. There's there's points when you'll have a dice spinning in the arena for a good ten seconds, like just going all around, tapping all the walls, and like any sort of divot in the surface, and it's just going to throw the trajectory off. And I I didn't want
0: that. Well, it's like when you know we we played um, your prototype and. The, the game requires you to throw dice from quite a distance and, you know, when they gather a bit of speed there, like you're saying, if you had a foam one, that that wouldn't last very long at all.
1: No, 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 gosh. We had an idea, um, which could potentially be a stretch goal one day, but, like, of um, la- uh, laser cutting out, like, a blast hole in one of the walls so that if you actually hit it with the dice from the inside, it would kind of fall out and then it would leave a hole so that you can knock other dice out as if you've like destroyed the arena while you're playing oh, that's
0: neat yeah
1: <laughs> a stretch goal coming this campaign
0: <laughs> well it's out in the ether now so you are gonna have the the wrath of the internet coming down upon you if it doesn't appear um so enjoy that um as, oh. <laughs> uh, as we've mentioned before that the internet is a famously very rational and a balanced entity so
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. We love you, Internet. <laughs> Be kind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I got from phone board. I was like, OK, so acrylic's indestructible. And I couldn't find anything that was clear that was like cheaper. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. that was the next leap. And what facilitated the design that I ended up with was um, I was in a, a fellow signwriters studio. And I look over in the corner and there's a bag of like, just plastic L-shaped things, and you've seen from the arena, like when you saw the prototype. Like, there's the hinges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I said, I said to the the man there, I was like, "What are these things?" And he said, "It was um, you clip them onto the edge of a shop shelf, and then you clip a little sort of like sign in the bottom. So it's like just a gripping hinge."
0: Oh, okay. And, yeah.
1: Yeah, and like that was a that was originally what kind of set me off on this design because i was thinking you could just make an acrylic wall and slot it into some holes in a base it would be solid that would be good Mm -hmm. but for me if you'd fallen on that and it was a rigid like grip then the acrylic would snap and you someone could potentially get hurt Mm -hmm. so so when i saw these hinges i thought oh my god like six of those hold the walls together around the base and um I practiced, like I literally like jumped on the arena like as if I'd like oh I've tripped with something, yes. and it <laughs> they just fall away. It just lets go of the walls and nothing gets damaged. So well, that's neat. Yeah. So safe safety as well, which was quite handy.
0: Yeah, so you, you've obviously got a lot to um, to consider for the arena itself. Um, how how have you been able to manage up the the cost of doing that?
1: Uh, well like I do have a friend who runs a laser cutting business mm-hmm. for like laser acrylic cutting business. So um he's been able to help me like, like we did like, he was kind enough to like help me do some prototyping. Sure. Um And then we cut out some shapes and tried it and it worked. And then I paid him for like the, the full size, full quality one for the previews and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, it's just been kind of like, It's not been as expensive as you'd imagine. Like, I've had some leftover sign materials, so I've used everything I've had to, like, even down to, like, making the stickers on, the temporary stickers on the prototype dice Mm -hmm. with the little lightning bolt symbols. Like, I just made stickers on my sign-cutting machine. So I think I've been lucky in the fact that I've had all this stuff around me to help me with the process.
0: And, And certainly a lot of transferable skills as well from the sounds of it as well
1: yeah yeah because yeah. like I've done all the art and design for the game um and that's been a, i mean like I'll admit I'm not the best like character artist in the universe but because we were considering taking this game to like a tournament level uh-huh. then my original style for the characters is like um they're all effects and like fancy abilities on top of a silhouette mm-hmm. because I always like the idea that like with a silhouette it doesn't exactly define what it is and you can step easier into their shoes. Yeah. So yeah. if you wanted to be like Imperator, the minigun wielding like mercenary, then it's a lot easier to go. I don't know what his face looks like because I'm his face. And then, pew, pew, pew. and you can like, you get so many people going pew pew when we play. It's it's funny.
0: Yeah. You, you can project uh, whatever persona you like onto that character, essentially.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: Charlotte was not able to, to make it tonight, but there was a question that, that she wanted me to to ask you with regards to Master of Getown. And yep. um, quite simply, it was, who is Masters of Getown aimed at? What What is the target audience for Masters of Getown? It's quite
1: broad. And like I'm mm-hmm. not saying that in, in, like, I'm trying to please everyone. But, like, when we were developing the game, I wanted to appeal to, like all the reasons that people play. So there's the social elements where people are around the arena together. There's the, the mastery elements where people want to find the secret combinations of equipment and like beat their friends through like knowledge and skill. Um, Then we've got like dexterity, obviously because it's now, but it's, it's anyone who likes combat, I think yeah wide ranging from like warhammer to magic the gathering i mean like my heaviest influence is sort of magic the gathering because i was in the tournament scene for ages and like i really love the game and we've tried to instill some of that sort of deck deck synergy so with with the cards um so when you pick like your character and your equipment that's ostensibly you coming up with the theme of a deck in Magic the Gathering. And then what you're trying to do is play those cards, but in our case, play, use their abilities over and over to build some sort of engine to win the game against other people. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, our original sort of if the game could be anything, we were like, throw roleplay elements in there, throw this in there, throw that in there. Like, we wanted way too much for it. Mm-hmm. And then I watched, like, listen to podcast after podcast where they're like if you've got one uh, you've got a new concept you want one new concept not too many things at once so Mm -hmm. we kind of overdeveloped and then distilled back to the point where this is the thing that introduces both full contact dice battling and in the in the lore of the game this is get Town. this is the capital city of this new planet and this is the tournament that everyone goes to to try and be the master of get Town.
0: So there, there's with your Magic the Gathering background. I guess that's um like you were saying earlier, where the 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 bent towards the, the sort of tournament play comes in.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I imagine for the tournament would be like someone would bring a character and their their own sort of custom set of equipment to a tournament with them and that's what like just like any entrant to the actual real tournament like i'd like to replicate the story tournament with the real tournament as much as we can Mm -hmm. yeah so so they turn up as a character they pick their weapons and then they sit down and face off against people they've never met they're fighting for their lives like smashing their opponent's dice like halfway through someone's on high health and they're they're making alliances between each other just to beat them and then taking it out on each other afterwards We've added social elements that they're not obvious, but like we've got, say, we've got a healer character. And um, if his ability activates, he can heal someone for two health. Now he can heal himself and he can be a sort of a tank character. But when you've all thrown your dice in and someone's about to pick someone that they want to attack and you've got your ability, you'd be like, okay, so if I heal you, you won't attack me this turn? And you can sort of buy your freedom yeah, on a turn-to-turn basis if you kind to of bargain. Get... Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So, um, you you mentioned the classes there. So then, uh, th- throughout the game, from what I understand, you've got these um, archetypes that will be familiar to people that have played um, video games, uh, things like Dungeons and Dragons, that sort of thing. Is that is that right?
1: Well, I mean. In the core of them, yes, like that—that that was kind of both mine and Dan's main inspiration for character creation. Yeah, we'd gone through so many sheets in D D, like making people that. I think that really helped us come up with some unique characters. Um, but then when it came to balance, like when we were trying to balance things out, that's when we started to really see the impact of the different abilities we were giving them, and then replacing some that didn't fit the sort of model and then we started giving like an overall arcing theme to the characters yeah. i mean it's it we've iterated it so many times like we started off with just a character and it had no upgradeability. charges didn't exist you literally had a character and a blank based arena yeah uh, took that to the uk games expo 2017 and it went down a storm like because the the mechanic was sound uh-huh. So that was the point when we thought okay so the dice and the turn based order that works now let's go let's let's deep dive into these characters and see what sort of tactics and extra strategies we can create
0: yeah you mentioned there about the the turn based combat um and one of the things that that we found was quite unusual was that um if you're in a multiplayer game it's not just a free for all what happens is you've got um it's, uh, for instance, it's John's turn, so he gets to pick um, from the other three combatants whether he wants to fight um, Josh, Ben, or Charlotte. So yeah. it 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 means that each round, you only actually have two people battling one another. Why did you decide to to structure combat in that way?
1: Well, I mean, there's there was a a dice reason and a thematic reason. So like the dice reason was we never wanted more than six dice in the arena at once Mm -hmm. because we're trying to push like more skilled shots for players. Like it's a lot harder to hit your dice into your other dice and move them into a specific area when there's loads of dice in the way. So we kind of, we started off with lots of dice in the arena and like brought it back to the point where skillful players would be able to like, work their way around the situation Mm -hmm. so and and the thematic way is basically like at the start of each round the attacker throws their ability dice and everyone else throws theirs and it's kind of it's almost like a a prowess meets initiative thing so everyone's dice is showing what what that person is starting this these few seconds of combat doing whether they're shooting with their ability or whether they're like they've got a 6 so they look really strong and then you you go to the next dice and like oh he's got a 1 so this person's quite weak so then you can pick on them or if you've got a rivalry with someone because they attacked you last turn then those numbers don't even matter rather than having a free for all where like fists are being thrown and you're imagining the combat as one of those comedic smoke clouds where arms and legs <laughs> yeah. are coming out you know yeah. Like we were like, you can much more easily visualize two people like throwing and each dice they throw and hit the other dice is like they're trading blows and they're trying to get up one up and chip on each
0: other. Yeah. So it's more Mexican standoff, less, um, beano uh, comic book style <laughs> brawl.
1: Exactly. That's right. Yeah. And we, and we limited like almost all of the weapons that like shoot, uh, Shoot shots into the arena. Like we've we've limited it so that you have to have a dice in the arena to shoot them, because we didn't want the flow of the combat between those two people interrupted by this guy going, "I'll shoot you, I'll shoot you." Like, so that was another step forward, I think, to making that one-on-one combat seem more real.
0: Well, what, one of the the um, bugbears that I have with a lot of the um, a lot of other Arena combat games is that I found what what tends to happen is um, one person lags behind and then everyone else gangs up on them quite quickly. But what what I found with Masters of Getown was that even if you were in that position where you were vulnerable, um, because you had the the dice rolling mechanic, you could pull off a reversal because it's just you and that one player. Whereas if you're against three, you get no chance.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean. In the two and a half years that we've been playing a semblance of the modern game, um, there's been one time when um, we had a six-player game. Uh, The first person did their attack turn, did a bit of damage. The next person throws their dice in, got a one, which is the weakest attack you can get. Yeah. And then the next five players proceeded to get sixes, and that unlocks the combat ability of a counterattack. Mm-hmm. And I saw one person on their first attack turn get qu- quintuple counter-attacked. It was, it was the most shocking thing I'd ever seen.
0: <laughs> Up but-
1: until there was a point where, like, in in our old, like, pre-balancing days, we had, uh, okay, so you rolled three sixes in attack. So that's 6, 12, 18. But you also got a triple. So triple it. So we had a point where... Uh, one of our playtesters did fifty-four damage to his his partner. Grief. She was on like minus forty-five. And bear in mind, folks, like you usually start at about eighteen health. So, like, we had to fix that, like, quick,
0: sharp. Yes, that like, killed her three times over, pretty much. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's mad. But well, I suppose um, that that actually leads very nicely into my next question, actually, and it's that. Whenever there are dice present in a game, um, you you more often than not will get um, people complaining that perhaps that makes a game too random. Um, mm. what, what do you say to those people?
1: What we haven't touched on is that um, in the base of the arenas, you can have one of six different battle stages, which add uh, an area control element as well as like, built-in luck mitigation factors. So um, one of the bases is the gravity flipper, and the whole theme of this base is there's a giant area in the middle where if your dice is 100% in there, at the end of the turn, the gravity flips, and all the dice flip over 180. So, yes, your opponent's got a 6 on his dice, and yes, you could throw your dice really hard at it, and the odds are it will go lower. But we know the facts. Like, you hit a dice, it turns into a, a 1 to 6 random number generator, basically. So by building in things like this gravity flipper, I don't have to change that dice. Now if I, like, just do a delicate drop shot on the edge of the dice, because of the nice smooth surface of acrylic, I can actually make it slide across the arena without changing the number. And once you, flip, once you slide a 6 into the middle of the gravity flipper, it flips over to a 1. So it's not that you're a victim of the dice. It's more that they can become victims of the arena, if you will.
0: Yeah. I've thought of uh, an analogy for Masters Masters of Getown. Maybe use it as a tagline somewhere, or maybe not. Extreme curling for the tabletop.
1: Exactly. Um, I was on... um, do you watch tabletop crashes with the gig spiel? I do not, no. It's a it's another it's another good podcast, and um they do a lot of like tabletop simulator things. Mm-hmm. Um and we I was saying like we could do a winter edition where it comes with six tiny little brushes. <laughs> <You know, laughs> that would be so good. Like the dice <laughs> yeah. And your teammates,
0: brush, brush brush, 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 brush,
1: brush. Yeah. Ah right in the middle.
0: Yeah, if if nothing else, just for the novelty factor, I love it.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, Christmas edition. That's it. Masters of Get Town Christmas edition. Extreme curling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is about all that we've got time for. But before we wrap up, for people who are interested in Earth to Games, and in particular, Masters of Get Town, um, where should they go?
1: The main place will be going to Kickstarter on Saturday um, and search for Masters of Get Town. Mm hmm. And uh, we've got loads of really exciting stretch goals and loads of things to show you there, all the stuff in the box and things. Um, even to the point that you can, uh, at one of the pledge goals, you can get a full-size cosplay replica of one of the weapons in the game. Ooh. Which, uh, you know, I know a guy. I, I know lots of <laughs> business guys. And it just so happens that next to the guy who cuts the laser acrylic, there's a guy who makes fiberglass like replica weapons. There you go. So... <laughs> Share the love. Um, But (laughs) contact-wise, we've got at earth underscore two underscore games. That's T-O on uh, Twitter. And that's handled by me. And I'm with the good old Team Trevor. And we're out there helping people with their game design. Um, And you can just hit me up for any questions about the game. Um, And then Dan is over at Masters of Get Town on Facebook. Where he keeps that running for us during the campaign we'll be updating our website uh, EarthToGames.co.uk, with um a nice little map where people can play the game before they buy it during the
0: campaign yeah john thank you very much for joining us
1: it's been a pleasure sir
0: like amazing yeah and um i, I dare say um we'll, we'll hear from you again very soon on on one yep. platform or another Um, But for all of our listeners, wherever you are, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Take care. Bye.
1: Hi, everyone. It's Charlotte from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Now be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All you need to do is search Unlucky Frog Gaming. You can also show your support for the Unlucky Frog through Patreon. To find out more information, check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com. Thanks, bye.